News Network. In a time when narrative supersedes truth, when facts are the enemy, in a time where even Orwell would look at things and shake his head in disbelief, in a time when it takes backbone to stand up to the slings and arrows of outrageous deception, thank all that's holy, you have a voice. TNN, the Truth News Network, and Dan Newman. Speaking about all that is holy, you know what today is? It's Friday the 13th. What is holy about Friday the 13th? Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the last day of the week, our last show this week at TNN Live. Don't forget, our weekends are always hot items for you. We, um, our biggest, we started this several years ago, a recap. We call it our Saturday bullet points. It's our most read feature of every week. I mean, close to a million people turn in on Saturday and Sunday just to get a recap of the week. How does it work? We'll grab the top stories of the previous week, this week, the one we're finishing up now. And many of those stories, because there are so many stories, and sometimes, I'm sure you'll understand, they like to keep things from us, they being mainstream media and the political bureaucrats that control the media. So we dig in and we find them, the really important ones, and we present them in bullet point format. What is that? There'll be a bullet point with about two or three sentences describing a story, and then at the end of the story of those descriptive sentences, if you want more information about it, more facts, more details, more statistics, there's a little blue arrow, which is a hyperlink. You click on it, it takes you right to the full details of that story. If you already have all the information about that story, or if you don't want any more than what you have, just go down to the next bullet point. It's a really good way to start your weekend doing a recap, making sure you got all the information the previous week that are important to you, all those items. That's just one thing we do. And then we recap our weeks here at Truth News Network. Now, sometimes on Sundays, there is a story that is released on truthnewsnet.org. Some Sundays there aren't. We retool everything over the weekend. I mean, think about it. For every two hours of a show that we do here, it requires at least two hours of research and preparation. So that's four hours every day. And that's on a good day. Lots of times, the research part of it is actually twice what the on-air time is. What we do on the weekend is make sure that we're caught up on everything and we are preparing at least the first couple of days in skeletal structure for TNN Live and the stories that we publish here. It's a it's a pretty big task and it's it works really well when everything flows like it's supposed to, right? (laughs) How often does that happen in your life? You get up and every day just kind of floats along, no problems, no issues, and you just do what you got to do. So let me ask you a question as we get started. What do you know about Friday the 13th? Hmm. Well, where does it come from? It's superstitious, obviously. Friday the 13th has long been considered a harbinger for evil. Ooh, it has. And, um, 
it creates all kinds of fears, misunderstanding, digging into it. So we did a little bit of research, and I thought on the front end of the show, we'd just throw that out there. Friday the 13th is considered an unlucky day in Western superstition. It occurs when the 13th day of any month in the Gregorian calendar, which is ours, any day of the month, if it falls on a Friday on the 13th, that happens at least once every year, but it can happen up to three times in a year. For example, 2015 had a Friday the 13th in February, March, and November. 2017 and 2020 had two Friday the 13ths each. 2021 had just one Friday the 13th. This year, today's the day, the only one for 2022. So the history, real quickly. According to folklore historian Donald Dossie, the unlucky nature of the number 13 originated with the Norse myth about 12 gods having a dinner party at Valhalla. The trickster god Loki, who wasn't invited to the party, arrived as the 13th desk and arranged for one of those um, guys that were there to shoot Balder with a mistletoe-tipped arrow. Balder died, and the whole earth got dark. The whole earth mourned. It was a bad, unlucky day. This major event in Norse mythology caused the number 13 to be considered unlucky. Well, there's a little more to the superstition. It seems to relate to various things, like the story of Jesus' Last Supper and the crucifixion, in which there were 13 individuals present in the upper room on the 13th of Nisan, Monday, Thursday, the night before his death on Good Friday. While there is evidence of both Friday and the number 13 being considered unlucky, there's no record of the two being referred to as especially unlucky in conjunction before the 1800s. An early documented reference in English occurs in H.S. Edwards' biography of Rossini, who died on a Friday 13th. Rossini was surrounded to the last by admiring friends. And if it be true that, like so many Italians, he regarded Fridays as an unlucky day and 13 as an unlucky number, it is remarkable that on Friday 13th of November, he passed away. So you got a history lesson on Friday the 13th. In my world, in my life, Friday the 13th and all the superstition falls pretty much down there with don't ever let a black calf cross your path. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> maybe maybe the same place of the Friday the 13th happened. But isn't it interesting? We have all these traditions, many of which we just take for granted. We don't even think about them. That's just part of life. At a early morning prayer meeting this morning, we talked specifically about day-to-day life. Just basically waking up, drawing a breath, and living a day, 24 hours here on earth. And how we, in many cases, we're just oblivious to what's going on around us. And I mean, I got to be honest with you. If you just sit tight and just look at your world, your world specifically, Yeah, we share a lot in the world, but there are a lot of things in my world that are different from yours. You've got a set of circumstances, as do I. Now, our circles may cross someplace. 
Obviously, right here at TNN Live, our paths are crossing right now. But in the big scheme of life, you have a life. You have a set of circumstances, as do I. And they're unique for both of us in many cases, in most cases. And so what do we do? We don't even think about this. Maybe we should put a little more thought into it than we do, but we don't really plan. We don't really premeditate and figure out what Friday the 13th, this one, the only one this year, 2022, is today. What's going to happen today? What are we going to do today? And really put some preparation into that. The older you get, I'll be completely frank, the older you get, the more you just blow through those things and give them no thought. Maybe we ought to rethink that. Maybe that is in part, at least, the reason that so many bad things are happening in our nation together on this administration's and this president's watch. And there's a bunch of that going on. We have a lot of it we're going to dig into here today on TNN Live. Anytime you would like to join the conversation, ask questions, make observations, this is your show. Feel free to do so. You can call us now. Now remember, this will be a podcast after 11 a.m. Central Time. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Google, Stitcher, Facebook, and now um, Donald Trump's uh, social media play, Truth Social. They'll have it. It turns into a podcast, but it's live only between 9 and 11 a.m. So if you're listening now, this is live. Well, maybe not. Maybe you're listening to the podcast this afternoon. You know what I'm saying. We would love for you to take part in the show anytime, and you can do it on our dime. Call us toll-free, 1-866-37-TRUTH, 1-866-378-7884. So the big blockbuster, I mean, there are a bunch of them, but the really big one, the 900-pound gorilla in the room today is Elon Musk. Mr. Musk, Mr. I'm the wealthiest guy in the world, Musk. He's initially the Tesla CEO, Elon Musk. And he reportedly overnight placed that $44 billion deal to buy Twitter on hold. Now, what's this about? Well, he says it's pending an investigation into bot accounts on the platform, fake accounts. The stock overnight plummeted more than 15% in pre-market following Musk's announcement, which was released on his Twitter account, go figure. In a follow-up post, Musk added he is still committed to the acquisition. So as you can imagine, the media world, the social media world, the finance world, they're abuzz today about Elon Musk and Twitter. Just a little while ago, right before we went live, on Fox Business, they analyzed it and came up with kind of an explanation of what just might be going on in Elon's purchase of Twitter. Elon Musk is now putting this deal on hold. What do you make of this? Once again, in his typical style, he tweeted out this news that the deal is on hold. The stock is plummeting this morning. Your reaction? 
Well, usually when you do a deal, Maria, you actually do due diligence and then you make an offer. He's done it the other way around, right? He's made an offer and now he's doing his due diligence. And look, this company since coming IPO nine years ago, the stock is unchanged. They never really found a way to monetize it. And now he's getting underneath the hood and he's looking at these, um, you know, all these anomalies of things that are like how many percent people are bots and how many percent is this and how many are real interaction. And, my guess is this is to further negotiate. You know, the stock's going to come down and maybe we'll come back with a different offer. Uh, again, I hope he gets it because of free speech and all the reasons why we cited before. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, I think this is a negotiation tactic to bring the price down lower and for him to scoop it up cheaper. Yeah, I mean, James Freeman, jump in here because when Elon Musk first took on this deal, he said he wanted to do away with the bots, do away with the, ro you know, the robots on Twitter. Uh, it, uh, Devin Nunes was on this program a couple of weeks ago saying that it, 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 there's so many uh, bots. And now Elon Musk says he wants details about it until he gets clarity on how many bots there are. Twitter put in a filing uh, estimating that the false or spam accounts represented fewer than 5%. What do you think is going on here, James? Yeah, I'm curious whether this is just about price. Uh, the, uh, of course, when he bought it or when he made the offer originally, he said this is not about the money. This is about uh, saving the, the public square in the digital age. So I guess it's somewhat about the money. Uh, maybe he's acknowledging now uh, looking under the hood a little more. But uh, um, it, it couldn't have been much of a surprise, as you pointed out, that there are a lot of fake accounts, given that he had, he had cited that issue. Maybe he just wants to be sure that it's uh, it's not largely fake, that uh, there actually is a real huge digital conversation going on among real people. And I think there is, and I think that's probably the conclusion he'll come to. Well, you know, it's interesting that he says that uh, he wants more clarity when Twitter put an SEC filing out that says it's less than 5%. So he's, he's questioning what Twitter is saying, right, by saying we want more clarity because Twitter just put out this SEC filing. So he, he's, he doesn't believe it, you think? Yeah, I, I suppose uh, maybe it's an estimate and he wants to know how they got to that number and uh, maybe it goes into a strategy yeah. for how to grow it. I, I think you do need to figure out how much of it is real and, and how much is, is phony conversation uh, generated by computers or people with ill intent uh, uh, who are hiding their identities. But, um, yeah, this... Uh, uh, it could be a bumpy ride to closing. I guess the uh, Twitter executives probably knew that already. Here's something that everybody is just getting slapped in the face with. All the experts in the business world. And it's about Elon Musk. This guy is non-traditional in his thinking. I mean, you look back over his shoulder. Look in the past. Look at what he's done. You know, he was an entrepreneur when he was a young guy. He's had several business opportunities fail, just fall flat. And then, of course, then there's Tesla. Then there's SpaceX. He's the wealthiest man on the planet. That kind of stuff just didn't happen. He didn't win a, a, a Powerball or uh, Mega Millions. That's not how he did it. He very strategically put these plans together, and that's exactly what he's doing now. Now, it is a little backwards from the normal process of purchasing a big company. Normally what you do is you go in and you sign a some type of non-disclosure agreement where parties on either side will divulge any of the details of their negotiations 
And then they begin what's called due diligence. Due diligence is when the proposed buyers actually get a chance to go in and kick the tires and look at everything about that thing, that company, that entity that they're in the process of purchasing to make sure the representations by the seller are accurate. And if they're not, you find out up front before you write the check. It looks like um, Elon's doing that backwards. He went in and made the deal. I'm going to give you $44 billion. Bam! Just like that. I'm going to write a check, $44 billion. And of course, you can bet your bippy that there is a massive contractual agreement that has all kinds of stipulations, disclosure, and ways to get out if there are gross misrepresentations in what the seller presented to the proposed potential buyer, Elon Musk. But this is what I know about his history. He's going to close the deal. That's never been in question, and it won't be. He would not have gone this far if that wasn't his intention. You know what's happening now? He's holding Twitter's ownership, their feet to the fire. You told me this, 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 and this, and you had this number of Twitter accounts that are legitimate. Yeah, there are bot accounts out there, and everybody in the nation and around the world knows that and understands that, but what we've got to do is find a point of clarity where I can know which are real and which are fake. We may need to readdress this $44 billion number. I agreed to pay that because of information that you gave me about the company. So I think what he's doing, he's negotiating. And what's wrong with that? I mean, what is wrong with that? Are you one of those people that anytime you go buy something big, like you go into a car dealership and you need a car and they have a car that fits your needs and you go in and you have a trade-in, how much are they going to give you for your car you're trading in and then how much is left above what you get for your car that you have to come up with to buy the new one? And you just... Look at the paper the salesman lays in front of you and you say, okay, I'll take it. I grew up in that world. My first real job outside of radio, working my way through school, was in the car business. My wife will tell you now, when we buy a car, she never goes with me anymore. I'm a negotiator and I don't get into arguments. I don't try to prove that I'm smarter than the salesman. Let me tell you how I do it. And let me just give you a little inside information about how the automobile industry works. Dealerships that get new vehicles, when those vehicles come onto the yard on those transport trucks and they unload them, when they unload them, somebody's got to pay the manufacturer for those cars. And so every major car manufacturer has an associate finance company, like Ford Motor Credit. They finance and they provide financing for these dealers around the nation. When they sell a car, they want that dealership to finance that car through Ford Motor Credit. But there's something that happens before that. When those Ford vehicles, Ford Lincoln Mercury, when they roll off these transport trucks, Ford Motor Credit pays Ford Motor Company for those cars. And they basically are lending the dealership money that when that car sells, the dealer has to pay Ford Motor Credit. 
for the cost of that car. That's just something you need to understand. Why is that important? It's really important when you're looking at a specific vehicle, if you can find out how long that dealer has had that car on their lot, because every month they get a bill for floor plan interest from Ford Motor Credit on every such vehicle they have on the lot. Now that may seem insignificant to you, but at four or 5% rate, and they have seven to $10 million of vehicles on their lot, you do the math, that adds up in a hurry. And so what does that have to do with buying that car? If that car has been sitting there a while, they're anxious to get rid of it, so they'll take less money for it. You may be able to find that information out. That's number one. Number two, do some research online on the specific car that you want. Maybe not that exact one, but get the list of options online and the retail value of the options online of that car that you want. Add it all up. And here's what you got to do. You can find out online what a fair price is on every new vehicle on the market. Fair, you have to define that for yourself. But never go into a dealership to buy a vehicle without knowing what you want to buy before you go and how much you're willing to pay. And so when I walk into a dealership, I've done all that. And through the years, we we are pretty regular as a family buying new vehicles. We don't keep cars until the wheels fall off of them. Marianne's got a Buick Enclave right now that we bought new, 2013, I believe. And it has 168,000 miles on it. We've never had a car like that that we put miles on like that. In fact, for decades, a couple of decades, my car... I always leased a car and rolled it over every 30 months. So I wasn't buying it, I leased it. That's different. After I got out of the business that I was in and semi-retired, I just started, I, the last car I bought, I literally, I wrote a check for it. But here's what I do. I have all that information in my head. So when I walk into a dealership and I'm ready to buy, I tell the first person that comes up, salesperson, Hi, my name is Dan Newman. I'm here today, and I want to buy that car. I want to buy that truck. I know exactly what it's worth to me, and I know what I'm willing to pay for that car today. So here's the way we'll do this. I'm not going to beat around the bush, and you give me a price, and I give you a price, and we kick tires and drink coffee. I'm not going to do that. I respect you and this dealership more than that, and I want you to do the same for me. I'm going to buy that car today. Write a check for it. If the price that you give me is the right price. Now, let me tell you, I'm going to give you one chance to give me one price. And I suggest if you really want to sell that car to me today, that whoever gives me that one price is the person that represents in this dealership basically telling me when you give me that price, I'm not willing to sell this car to you or anyone else for $1 less than this number. I want you to make money. You're here to make money. So if you're not the guy, if you're not the person in this dealership that can do that, you better go get them. And I'll sit and wait. I'm patient. I know you're a busy dealership. And inevitably, 
when the manager comes out, they try to do the sales spiel, and I stop them very nicely and say, look, I told your salesperson, here's the way I shop, and here's the way I want to shop here to buy that car from you today, and I retell them the spiel. You know what happens? It has never not happened to me. I buy those cars because they know I'm serious, that I've done some research, and I know the value, and I have in my mind what's a fair price for me to pay. That's the way you should do it. Sometimes you can do it on other things. And and listen, when you go into a re- when you're going to buy something like a washer and a dryer, a refrigerator, a freezer, something really substantive in, in price, in almost every case, you can do that same thing. Now, they may act offended, but if they are salespeople and they're selling things that people want to buy, they're going to work with you. And do you know the United States of America is probably the only country on the planet where negotiations are not an integral part of everything that's sold, except maybe things like groceries. I mean, you're not going to fill up a cart, pull up to the checkout, and start negotiating item by item on the stuff you buy at the grocery store this week. I'm not talking about that. But when you start, we bought, we had our uh, one of our freezers go out about three months ago. We went to Home Depot, and I did exactly what I'm telling you. The salesperson was there. They had a freezer that we wanted. And I said, I want to buy that today, and I'll write you a check for it, but I'm only going to give you a chance to give me one price. The lowest price you're willing to sell it to me or anybody else today who will write a check. And if you can't give me that price, you go get them because I I don't want to negotiate. And we bought the freezer at the price I wanted to pay. That may be something that you can put in your pocket to use. And when you do, you'll look back. Remember this. Remember Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th. Dan told us about that. Well, I didn't originate it. And I'm going to tell you somebody that's using it right now on a much bigger purchase than a new car or a new freezer. Elon Musk, $44 billion to buy Twitter. Now, how do you think all of those people on the board of Twitter are thinking or feeling right now today. You know what happened when he signed that letter of intent? I'll pay you $44 billion if everything that you say is actually what it is when we do diligence. They started thinking about their exit strategy. All the money stockholders have in stock and you know their stock price value went sky high when Elon signed that letter of intent and everybody's already spent their money. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take I'm going to, the money I have in stock in Twitter. I'm going to take that money out and I'm going to go do this. You're talking to your broker. You're thinking about that vacation home in the Bahamas. All those kind of things. And all of a sudden, bam, Friday the 13th, everything comes to a stop. And you're saying, oh my gosh. Do you know what that's about? I'm going to tell you. Elon is negotiating. He's going to buy Twitter. He wouldn't gone as far as he has if he wasn't. But he's getting some suspicions, probably had them from the beginning, that there were some gross misrepresentations about revenue, about accounts, 
about real numbers of revenue. And he's challenging the board of Twitter. Put up or shut up. Prove you told me is really factual and we'll close this deal. That's interesting. I like the guy. Never met him. The only times I've been in Tesla, let me tell you something about Tesla cars. When you go to Europe, they're all over Europe. That's no big deal, but what are they all over as? Uber Black, that's the service. It's kind of an upscale service of uh, uh, Uber, and it's, it's available in almost every country. But in Europe, it's a really big deal. I never had been in the Tesla until I did Uber Black in Zurich, Switzerland. The car was incredible. Inside, um, it's power. You know, I mean, when you push the pedal, the accelerator pedal, you don't have to wait for that uh, supercharger to kick in <laughs> like you do on a gas engine car. It goes to 100% instantly. Great power, great comfort. They're expensive as heck. But I have a lot of respect for Elon Musk because you know what he did? He created the first real marketable electric EV car. The very first one. And he's made a buttload full of money. Stockholders in his company, Tesla, have as well. And we, the people of the United States, are a big part of it. Do you know that very early on, every Tesla that sold had taxpayer grant money federal grant money for Tesla Motors subsidizing that. So you and I paid a little bit for Elon Musk to be worth all those billions, hundreds of billions of dollars that he is worth. You got that on Friday the 13th. You got all that and you didn't have to pay anything. How about that? What do we have coming up? You heard about Elon Musk. You heard about Twitter. There's a whole lot of other stuff going down. This baby food thing has just gotten out of hand. We're going to wade into the middle of it. And the the Second Amendment. Do you know that there are a couple of big, big Second Amendment rulings that have come out in favor of enforcement of the righteousness, the constitutionality, of the Second Amendment. Nobody's talking about it. We'll give you the details on that. And then Biden's economic advisor, his chief one, got his hat handed to him late yesterday by one of the anchors on Fox News. Federal judge. Man, they're getting in on everything. Title 42. Another federal judge says, wait a minute, wait a minute. And push back the date one more time for when Title 42 is going to stop. But even if that's happening out there, the word is out around the world. And millions of people are looking at the United States and licking their chops. And several big groups have already showed up at our southern border. It is going to get freaking ugly. We think we've seen ugly in our illegal immigration issue You wait till this thing rolls out in total. It is going to be a Biden huge debacle, probably the biggest of his administration. And it may be the thing that brings him down. We're going to wait into all of it 
right here. Thank you for joining us for Friday, sharing your morning with us. We're just getting started. Hi, this is Jack, founder of Jack in the Box. Is the caller there? Mr. Box, Douglas Gopperts from Burger Week magazine. Oh, hey, Doug. Doug's a respected fast food critic. I recently dined on your sourdough Jack combo. And? Perfection. The cheese, the jumbo patty, the golden sourdough bread, the french fries. Bravo. Well, thank you. However, I found the dessert a bit dry. It doesn't come with dessert. The candy. The white, round candy with the happy face. Was it wearing a scarf? Yes, I believe it was. Rosy cheeks, fuzzy earmuffs? Yes, that's it. Douglas cheeks, fuzzy earmuffs? You ate a holiday ball. <gasps> We're giving one away free to customers who buy a sourdough jack combo. But they're not for dessert. They're for antennas. Or a pencil. Right. Well, that's going to improve your score dramatically. Excellent. Few things bring as much joy as the... Excellent. Few things... ...delicious taste of Coca-Cola. Like your first time camping. Or falling in love on a blind date. And now, our new Coke bottles are sip-sized and made from 100% recycled materials. So every bottle can live on to create more memories. That's endlessly refreshing. Coca-Cola. Bottles are made from 100% recycled materials excluding cap and label. Enjoy the great taste of Coca-Cola in a new sip-sized bottle that's made of 100% recycled materials. Genuine Ford Parts and Service presents a word from your wallet. Are we at the gas station? Yeah, I know. I'm feeling these gas prices, too. I'm the wallet down here. Head to a Ford dealership. Why? Proper vehicle maintenance. A new air filter can save 19 cents a gallon. Correct tire inflation up to 6 cents a gallon. Wow, that sure adds up. (laughs) Fat wallets are very in right now. Right now, Motorcraft air filter replacement is just $19.95 or less. Replacing a dirty air filter can increase fuel economy by as much as 10%. Well, done. That was easy. Maybe you should listen to your wallet more often. Well, you're typically pretty quiet. Well, I didn't want to be a pain in the... Uh, 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 uh. Hurry in for the best deals we've had in years. Money-saving rebates on brakes, batteries, tires, and more. See your participating Ford dealer today. When a governor can tell a president, no rally in my state... It's time for some definitive truth. Here with the goods, again, Dan Newman. It's really been interesting to watch how this president reacts to various things that come up on a daily basis. Issues, problems, challenges, whatever you want to call them. Isn't it obvious to you that Joe Biden is not a planner? He's not a plotter. He's a reactionary leader. In other words, he doesn't plan in advance to have a direct impact by what they do in advance on any issue. He seems to, in every case, he waits till something happens and then he does whack-a-mo where he grabs the mallet and starts hitting the debacle of the day on the head to try to get away with it. In this administration, it's getting worse and worse, even though you think, my gosh, could it possibly get worse than this? And it is getting worse than this. Here's something in the shortage area of our lives that seem to be growing in number and in volume every day you haven't heard about. General Electric Healthcare. You probably don't realize this, but they are one of the biggest healthcare companies in the world. They announced yesterday a severe shortage of medical dye. 
medical dye. Now, what is that? I'll tell you in a second. But it's caused by a Chinese COVID lockdown of its production plant in Shanghai that's affected not only hospitals here in the U.S. and in Germany, but in every other region of the world. Now, what's this all about? Some of the largest hospitals in the U.S. prepared this week for a critical shortage of medical dye normally sourced from GE Healthcare Shanghai factory. This company is a subsidiary of the U.S.-based multinational conglomerate General Electric, and they have responded to the shortage by asking its manufacturing plant in Ireland to increase its output of the medical dye agents and sending the products to hospitals through expedited air freight shipments. This is what they inject in your arm when they're going to do a special type of uh, x-ray or even some other one of the scans. And you can't get the results unless you have the dyes. Now think about that on the back end, the tail end of coronavirus. What is the big part of the body, the number one part that coronavirus, when it attacks, goes after? goes after our lungs. So how do these doctors look to see what's going on in your lungs? If you really have pneumonia, if it's really damaged the interior of your lungs, scar tissue, all those kinds of things, and they have to have this dye so that this all shows up on scans. So GE says we're working around the clock to expand capacity for our iodinated contrast media products, including drawing on our global manufacturing network. And this all just popped up in the last 10 days, and it's because of what's happening in Shanghai, China. Now you understand why we have been beating the drum with others of our same ilk for years now to get our reliance out of China for Chinese technology of every kind. We need, and Donald Trump opened the gate to make it happen, and it happened in large part in his administration and happened very quickly, moving a lot of this creation, development, production out of China and other Asian countries back to the United States. So we're not at the whim of other countries and their political leanings. Do I need to remind you that China is pretty hard far left in everything? They are a totalitarian nation. They're led by the Communist Chinese Party. Xi Jinping is the head of the party and he's the president for life of China. He controls so much of every part of our lives, we don't even have an idea that he does. But he does, he's been using it, he's using it today, and his purpose and his plan is to be more intrusive in the lives of every American than he is today. Die for a CAT scan or an x-ray. We can't get it because they shut Shanghai down because of COVID. And then you you look at the one that's been on the news 24-7. The FDA, they very quietly shut down the largest infamil Similac creation plant in the world in Michigan. In February, we're just hearing about it now. Now, the FDA, you know who they are, federal drug 
Food and Drug Administration, FDA. The U.S., which means we control the FDA. We being the people, that government of the people, by the people, and for the people thing. So you didn't get a phone call, you didn't get an email, nor did I, saying, hey guys, we need to shut down that plant in Michigan, what do you think? You know what I would have done if I'd have gotten that email in February? I would have said, what are our replacement options? In February, March, April, May, 90 days ago, they knew it happened. They did it. And what did they do to fix it, to replace it on an interim basis? Nothing. Just like everything in this nation that happens, your gas prices go up. Any preparations by this administration for that? Absolutely not. In fact, he's the one that initiated it, the timing for it to begin. He didn't give, Biden didn't give five seconds thinking to, what do we do in the interim? Oh, we're going to renewable energy. We're going to flip the switch on January 20th, 2020. That's the day I become president of the United States. Well, Mr. President, when you turned on the electric switch, you turned off the carbon energy switch which it controls about 90% of all of the energy consumption needs that we have here. So what's your plan, Mr. President? Well, let me tell you what I'm going to do for the people of America. I know what inflation is. Donald Trump created inflation, and it came to the U.S., and he just hid it under the couch in the Oval Office, and it sneaked out one day when I made the presidency mine. And I'm working on it. I'm working on it. We are February, March, April, May, four months. We're 16 months into the Biden administration. We have a supply chain issue. We still have it. We have a gasoline shortage. We still have it. We have a gasoline price debacle. We still have it. Our babies are out of baby formula. We have hundreds of thousands of illegals storming across our southern border and unconstitutionally, the Biden administration and those who work for him are simply just opening up the border and saying, come on in. We want you to come in. We're going to take care of you. We the people. We, the people, are going to pay all the bills for you to get here, and we're going to help you get citizenship. And when you do, we're going to help you get the right to vote in our elections. If you weren't with us yesterday, the night before was a late night in the U.S. House of Representatives in committee hearings. Our friend, our congressman, he's on our show regularly, was last week, Mike Johnson, Republican from here in Louisiana. And he, in a hearing, put one of his Democrat counterparts on the line, on the line to get an answer. Why, oh why, is the Democrat Party so dead set on opening the border? And actually, in that hearing, was told they want to get these illegals the right to vote. It has nothing to do with being good-minded, helpful people to help those in the world that are less fortunate than us. That sounds like a great story, but they've blown through that. 
they've blown through that entire thing. Nobody believes them in that. They don't even care. They don't give a rip that they've been exposed. But that's what it's all about. All of this is happening on Joe Biden's watch. No planning, no preparation. And even when he tries to do something in a reactionary way, it falls to pieces. And so this thing with the baby formula, it's a really big deal. My wife, she breastfed all three of our kids for a short period of time, and then we switched them to Infamil. We used it for all three of our kids, and I can't forget this, because I remember going to the show, uh, the store. I was the shopping guy back then, and I made sure I got not just Infamil, but I got the right size, the right version, and made sure everything was there, and we always had plenty of it. You know who's getting beat up the most in this shortage? Low-income families. Low-income families and those that are on federal government support programs are being hit the hardest. Desperate parents are, are heading onto online groups to swap and sell formula in a wild, unregulated market right now to try and just keep the babies fed. It's weighing particularly on lower-income families after the recall by formula maker Abbott stemming from contamination concerns. That's the big plan up in Michigan I mentioned. The report says this has had unintended consequences for those in lower-income groups. Why? Because the recall wiped out many brands covered by the Special Supplemental Nutrition Program for Women, Infants, and Children. You, you probably know it better as the WIC program, W-I-C. It's a federal program like food stamps that serves women, infants, and children, though it now permits brand substitutes. So Biden and his gang, they are desperately working with the states to make it easier for WIC recipients to buy different sizes of formula that their benefits might not currently cover. About half of infant formula nationwide is purchased by participants using benefits from the WIC program. Those who try and resolve the issue online, they're running into problems not just of supply, but also quality. The Associated Press outlined parents desperately searching for this formula on retailer websites like Amazon and Google. They're being greeted by products intended for toddlers. The products on offer include powered, uh, powdered toddler goat milk and plant-based milk powders. One batter ad across Amazon offers, quote, organic non-GMO formula for babies and toddlers. But a closer look at the product's image shows that it is only intended for children over 12 months in age. Other ads for toddler milk are on Amazon's website on pages for out-of-stock infant formula. Meanwhile, Uncle Joe, he's got us all right at the center of his heart and mind, right? The solution to the chaos is for everybody affected. If you got this, if you're a mom, if you're a dad and you can't get your kids, your babies, Infamil or Similac or whatever version you need, Jen Psaki told us exactly what we need to do to make sure our babies get fed. What is that? She said, call your doctor. Call your doctor. Wow, what great leadership, inspirational leadership, right? My baby needs food. 
I've got money to pay for my baby's food. I've always been able to get it through this. We got no notice from the government. They didn't tell us that we needed to make some kind of transitional plan and they were going to help us. Well, they did help us, just like they handled and helped us through the transitory, uh, horrible economic inflation that we're all dealing with across the board. There were no plans for any of this, none. And there aren't now. One Alaska mom did come up with an idea. She's a certified infant feeding technician in Alaska. And she put together a social media group to try to help. Her name is Allie Seckle, the mother of a 10-month-old. She lives in Kodiak, Alaska. She launched the Formula Exchange Group on Facebook back in January when the baby formula shortage was just beginning. It was something she noticed, she said. Certain formulas here and there were starting to be a little bit harder to find. But I didn't anticipate it to be to the extent it's at now. The shortage began with ongoing supply chain issues, and it escalated due to recalls by the manufacturer Abbott Laboratories. The recalls followed the deaths of two babies who reportedly consumed formula made at the company's plant in Sturgis, Michigan. Abbott has said a thorough review of all available data indicates that the infant formula produced at our Sturgis facility is not likely the source of infection in those two cases, and there was not an outbreak caused by products from the facility. So big box stores, Target, Walmart, Walgreens, CVS, they have limited purchases of formula in some cases. Why is that? Because a lot of parents are panic buying. You know what it is. You see something on a shelf, you've got a shortage of it, you just go grab it all. Seckle, that heads this group, says she's seen misinformation about formula being discontinued or recalled. It's creating extra panic, she said, on top of an already stressful situation. It's just a mess. For many parents, and I don't need to say this, you know this, if they're caught in this quandrum, it's devastating, particularly for parents of infants who need specialty or hypoallergenic formulas. They're breaking down, she said. They're in tears in the grocery aisle. Although she feeds formula to her 10-month-old daughter, she said the shortage hasn't been a problem for her family because of where they live. Areas in Alaska that are remote seem to actually be less affected. So we've been fortunate that we're not too badly affected here in Kodiak. She said she's heard that other major cities in her state, like Anchorage and Juneau, are experiencing the shortage just like the rest of the U.S. So we hear all of this and people kind of circling the wagons to help it out. This is one of those things, just one in any number of things, that are just totally missed by Uncle Joe. Now I'm going to say something, and many people that are listening, I know we have very progressive listeners, and I use the term progressive in that context only because that's the name they've chosen to use for themselves, and they walked away from liberal years ago. I know that we have several people that are listening today monitoring this show, and let me just say this. I know you don't want to hear this, but what I'm about to say is facts, and it's facts based upon 
what we have seen in operation in the past. If Donald Trump was president, none of this would have happened. The people that he had in his administration, the advisors that he had in the area of economics, across the board, every spectrum of it, transportation, retail, product consumption, spots, manufacturing, the entire process, he went through top to bottom to find ways to make it better, which they did, by the way, in most cases. This happened in February. This began in February, three months ago. If he was caught standing still on it and taken aback by it because he didn't know anything about it, he would have responded immediately. It would have been a 24-7 job for a bunch of people in the White House to make sure that it was rectified. And we would have never heard the process they went through to fix it, to make it work good. They didn't stand up and scream and holler and pat themselves on the back. They didn't have to. Why? The results were across the nation and top to bottom. Wealthy people, low-income people, everybody experienced the good. We don't have that today. You're just going to pontificate about it. You're one of those ultra-maga king supporter guys. I'm not a registered Republican. I am a conservative and registered independent. But yeah, I voted for Trump twice. And if I lived in Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Arizona, Nevada, Georgia, I'd have probably voted for him four or five or six times. You could do that in 2020. You could do that in those states. Real truth, real news, TNN, the Truth News Network. Grab an ice-cold can of Celsius and stay active and energized all day. Celsius is better for you energy, made with premium ingredients, zero sugar, and seven essential vitamins, with no high-fructose corn syrup, no aspartame, no preservatives, and no artificial colors or flavors. Celsius is just the essential energy you need to keep you fueled and active all day. Celsius, essential energy, live fit. Now find Celsius at Celsius.com or a retailer near you. We're outside Pilgrim Furniture and Mattress City where parents are disappearing. Excuse me, are your parents in there? Yeah, they can't decide if they should take no interest for 60 months with no money down or an extra $100 off every $9.99 they spend. It's a tough choice. But they've been in there for six hours. I want dinner. Parents, if you're at Pilgrim, please make a decision. The I'm crazy hungry, so she's got to be too. Slide through the Mickey D's drive-thru to get a Big Mac. Right after I order her quarter pounder with cheese, because I don't know everything, but I do know what my girl's feeling hangry meal. Get it at McDonald's when you buy one of your faves, like the Big Mac, quarter pounder with cheese, 10-piece chicken McNuggets, or filet of fish and get another for just a dollar. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Valid on item of equal or lesser value. New home ownership can be a real eye-opener, but it's the perfect time to look into Homeowner 101 from The Home Depot. Free live streaming workshops taught by expert associates, now at homedepot.com slash workshops. You'll find indoor and outdoor workshops, even home systems workshops. Plus, you'll get the know-how you need to care for your biggest investment. Master the basics at Homeowner 101, only at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. 
Register now at homedepot.com slash workshops. When I was in college at Louisiana Tech University in Ruston, the first year I was there, Steely Dan came there in concert. And I was in radio at the time. I'd worked my way through high school and through college and later got into the profession. Um, But I was pretty sensitive about music. I'm a musician, a keyboard guy too. It was one of the greatest concerts I've ever been to. And I've been to some of the best, some of the best. As a matter of fact, when we finish the show up today, the song that's going to go out was actually recorded live in Wembley Stadium in London. And I'm not even going to tell you who it's about, but it's a song, one of my favorite, uh, called Telephone Line. Do you remember that? Not even going to tell you who it is, but it's a great song. I love good music. I love good musicians. And I love the way things are put together. My One of my favorite singers of all time, uh, he was with the Doobie Brothers for a long time. But even after that, he in a reunion tour, they got together, Michael McDonald. I watched a live on Facebook. He did these things during COVID-19. It was just casually in his own house. And he sings some of the old songs, the greatest songs, just to stay attached with his followers, people that liked him. I knew he was a good keyboard guy, but I never knew how good he is until I watched this live little thing from his studio at his house. He's got that deep, deep, deep voice. Remember what a fool believes minute by minute, those songs that he did uh, on the first uh, album that he did with the Doobie Brothers. Interesting how that that rolls around. It's Friday the 13th. I can, darn it, I can talk about something like that. It's my show. So what else is going on? Well, Joe Biden, he got in a little Dutch with the Washington Post. Now, you wouldn't think a Democrat in office, especially a Democrat president, would get any kind of pushback about anything from the Washington Post. Put it in perspective. It is the most liberal newspaper in the nation. And it's printed right there in Washington, D.C. Who owns it? Jeff Bezos. Amazon. Jeff Bezos his newspaper, gave this president at first three of their very infamous Pinocchios, and then they re-looked at what they gave him those three for, and they upped the number. Uncle Joe, he's in the Washington Post Pinocchio dog pound. The Washington Post giving President Biden nearly four Pinocchios for claiming that congressional Republicans want to raise taxes on middle-class families. Joining me now, Americans for Tax Reform President Grover Norquist. Grover, good to see you. Um, Reading this piece today was really interesting. They started by giving the Washington Post three Pinocchios, uh, sorry, President Biden, three Pinocchios on this, and then they subsequently raised it once they did their review. They were closer to four. And essentially what the president said, quote, I can't believe the majority of 
Republicans buy on to Scott's plan. And they go through everybody that Jen Psaki listed as buying on to the plan. And they explain why that person wasn't buying on to the plan. They were supportive of a plan, but not particularly this plan or all aspects of it. Do I have this correct? You do. This is the second time they gave him three plus Pinocchios. They, they called him out when Biden said this before, and Biden deliberately went out and lied again uh, and then got caught out again. But what is Biden's alternative? He's got 36 tax increases he's pushing in his budget, 11 of them on energy to make your gasoline cost more. The IRS says they want to double the number of audits on small businesses. They just admitted that they'd been hiding the destruction of 30 million pieces of, of, of IRS you know, returns and things like that. Um, they're again and again wanting to raise, they want to raise taxes on businesses, the corporate income tax, to higher than China's, higher than Europe's. They don't want to talk about that. So right. they're pointing the finger at an imaginary Republican imagining that, that, that they would want to raise taxes when, if you look at where the Republicans are, they want to continue the Trump tax cuts. That's a tax cut. Right. And raising the corporate tax rate, for example, doesn't just impact the corporations that are paying that tax. It has an impact across the spectrum of our economy, might even potentially lead to situations where corporations have to lay people off. And so there are all these other aspects to it. It's not just, oh, we're going to tell General Mills that they have to pay more. The same way it's not just raising the tax rate on, on Jeff Bezos or other billionaires out there and saying they're going to pay us more as well. What Scott was trying to propose here, and it was just a proposal proposal, sort of up for discussion, you know, throwing some things out there and saying, at least let's have a, um, a constructive conversation about this, was the fact that you've got a large portion of this population that doesn't pay anything in taxes at all. And all he said was that he wanted them to contribute in some way so they have some skin in the game. And then you've got the Democrats glomming onto that and turning it into something that essentially it, it's not. Well, there's a challenge because he said they don't pay income taxes, and some people don't pay income taxes because they don't earn enough income. But there's $100 billion in excise taxes. Buy a beer, buy a pack of cigarettes, buy a gun, mm. uh, make a phone call, uh, electricity, energy. There are all sorts of federal excise taxes that hit lower-income people very heavily, be it two-pack of a smoker, and that's a lot of money out of your pocket in federal taxes alone. So there, there isn't anybody in America that's undertaxed. We would like to reduce everyone's taxes, not shift them around. Right. Uh, and Rick Scott was inartful in, in a discussion, but no other Republican raised their hand and said, me too. He, his idea is his alone. Uh, but again, remember, the Republicans he will have something to run on. If you remember, the contract with America didn't come out until September 27th, just before a month before the election. So, in the, or when Reagan came and stood with all of the Republicans in 1980, that also was in late September. So there will be sort of a here's our vision thing. 
doesn't make too much sense to start that conversation now when you don't know what's going to happen over the next four months. And some are saying that Scott has sort of backed away from, you know, what he proposed and what, what he sort of lobbed out there, to your point, um, to say that payroll taxes and sales taxes, you know, should count. But again, um, Republicans would say at least he's putting something out there to have a conversation about versus this Democrat one track line of taxation that we essentially know, um, especially with our economy in, in the crucial inflection point that it's at right now is not going to help things get better. Everything that Biden did to give us inflation, to raise the cost of energy, to make it more difficult to transfer energy through pipelines uh, that makes the price of energy go up so that Russia gets rich and we get poorer, all of those things he plans to do more of. So he's not changing his position. Every mistake, he wants more. Let me just clarify all of this talk about tax increases, tax cuts, whatever. Let me just give you a fact. This is a fact. I challenge anybody to provide any evidence that proves otherwise. In the United States, any time there has been a tax cut on any segment or all of the American population, I'm talking about personal income, business income, all types of income taxes, There has never been a tax cut in American history afterwards which results in the federal government getting less revenue. I'm going to say that again. In American history, economic history, there is never an example that has played out where the government lowers taxes, cuts taxes on the American people and even American business. There's not been one of those instances where the revenue, the tax revenue that goes directly to the federal government, that that revenue goes down. Now, how could that possibly be? Let me explain. This is capitalism, folks. This is how it works. The American people are the greatest consumers on the planet of anything and everything. We love having the ability to make personal choices to buy things, to go places, to do things, to own things, to start companies. We're very, very forward thinking in that regard. So what happens when there's a tax cut? Well, the government's not sitting back there saying, oh my gosh, we got to lay off half our workforce and we got to shut this agency down. They liked to make Americans afraid that that's going to happen like when the Trump tax cuts came in. You remember they were beating the drum on Capitol Hill. Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi. Oh, this is going to starve Medicare and Social Security. The eldest among us on the nation, they're all going to struggle because we won't have the money to pay those benefits. Medicare, healthcare professionals aren't going to be able to treat Medicare patients. They scared old people over and over and over again. What happened directly from the Trump tax cuts? The first year, the federal government in its history had never received more direct income tax revenue payments than it did then. After those horrible tax cuts, it was going to destroy our government spending. Exactly the opposite happened. Why is that? People have more money, more disposable income, because they got raises, 
because the cost of gasoline, the cost of food, the cost of pretty much doing anything and everything went down. Wages went up. Expansion meant more jobs, more people going to work. When that happens, guess what? More taxes are paid to the government. It was monumental. The increase in revenue during the Trump administration to the federal government. Democrats in power have always been tax and spend. That means they want to tax you. They want to come get your money. They want to take it from you. And their justification is simply this. We know what's better for you than you do. Give us your money and we'll use it for goods and services that you get directly from us. We're the federal government. Anything you can buy, any place you can go, we can do it for less money. And we'll do that for you because that's what we do. Not one case in history is there where that worked out. It's been tried numerous times. It's worked out for the people that are collecting money from us because they have more money to spend on their honeypot items, like that bridge to nowhere. We hear about that all the time. Our federal government is better at wasting tax money than any other government on the planet. Wasteful. And it's not just a Democrat thing. Republicans are just as guilty of blowing money on ideas and plans and all kinds of things to pay back for campaign contributions and favors. Don't argue with me about that. It is factual. It's been proven over and over again. Well, let's move on. I told you we had some uh, Second Amendment items that came up. Listen to this. A three-judge panel for the United States Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit, that very, very liberal circuit that's headquartered in California, it, this week, struck down California's ban on semi-automatic rifle sales to 18- to 20-year-olds. There was a lawsuit filed against the law. It was brought by the Second Amendment Foundation, joined by the Firearms Policy Coalition, Firearms Policy Foundation, Cal Guns Foundation, Poway Weapons and Gear and PW Range, North County Shooting Center, BB Family Arms and Munitions and Matthew Jones, as well as other private citizens. In other words, people were standing in line to sign off on this lawsuit against the state. The Ninth Circuit's panel, the majority opinion, was written by Judge Ryan Nelson, joined by Judge Kenneth Lee, both of whom were appointed by, guess who? Donald Trump. Judge Nelson wrote this, The Second Amendment protects the right of young adults to keep and bear arms, which includes the right to purchase them. The district court reasoned otherwise and held that the laws did not burden Second Amendment rights at all. That was legal error. The district court erred by applying intermediate scrutiny rather than strict scrutiny to the semi-automatic centerfire rifle ban. And even under intermediate scrutiny, this ban likely violates the Second Amendment because it fails the reasonable fit test. SAF founder and executive vice president Alan Gottlieb, he responded to the ruling saying, we're delighted with the opinion. The court majority rightly recognized 
that delaying the exercise of a right until age 21 does irreparable harm. It also applied strict scrutiny to the semi-auto ban. The case is Jones versus Bonta in the United States Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit if you want to get the details. So put a, put a black mark, a positive, a check mark in that particular part of your pocket. And then there's this. There's another case which is pending, and I'm not, I'm not even going to get into it today. It's still pending. But there's another Second Amendment case that is out there that is being decided by another appeals court that directly impacts Second Amendment rights again. So what's going on? Why is all of this stuff happening? In the wake of, I mean, look at the crime that's flooding our nation. Our major cities are just gone to the dogs, literally. Murders out the wazoo. Chicago, we hear about Chicago shootings every weekend. It's almost like it's automatic. When the sun goes down on Friday afternoon in Chi-Town, the Windy City, guns come out, people start shooting, people start dying. They use guns. Why are these people still having guns in their possession in Chicago? Most of them have them illegally. Most of them don't buy them. You need to understand this. In Illinois, in any place, any place, especially in big cities across America, when somebody wants to buy a gun who's a criminal, think about it. They can't go to Dick's Sporting Goods or Walmart, fill out the paperwork that they send up to the ATF who does a quick research on that individual that wants to buy that gun. And they find out this guy, he has three felonies in his history. You can't sell him that gun. These people know that. They don't go to Walmart. They don't try to buy guns there. All they do is put the word out. There are people that are trafficking in guns out of their trunks all over this nation. And they're, in most cases, either stolen guns or guns that have been bought privately, behind the scenes. Why doesn't California, excuse me, why doesn't Chicago law enforcement just step up and meet the task? It's because the failed leadership in Chicago not only won't facilitate that happening, they don't want it to happen. They have a far-left mayor who has no clue about what's going on. Lori Lightfoot She's probably the worst leader in any major city in American history. And it has nothing to do, in my opinion, with her skin color or her sexual preference. She is lesbian and she's African-American. That doesn't have anything to do with it. In fact, you would think just like in the Big Apple, Eric Adams, a lifelong cop, African-American guy, he wins the mayorship. One would think... He was a law and justice guy. You would think that crime in New York, because a new mayor came in, was going to crack the whip, you would think crime would go down. Exact opposite has happened. Philadelphia, Baltimore, all of our big major cities are struggling with crime, and the left want to brand it all to be at the feet of the Second Amendment. The cause, sole cause is the Second Amendment. 
You don't need guns in the United States of America. We have law enforcement to take care of it. The stats are off the charts that say exactly the opposite is true. Our forefathers, they penned the Second Amendment not to let us all know that the government is giving us the right to own guns privately. That's not what the Second Amendment says. It tells the federal government and all who work in it, it tells them, you as a government don't have the right to abridge my ability, my legal right to own and bear on my side if I want to a weapon for self-defense. That has been approved, adjudicated, reapproved, readjudicated multiple times in cases at the United States Supreme Court. It doesn't matter if Joe Biden wants to call an AR-15. He calls them a weapon of war. There is no military person that goes anywhere on earth that's part of the military of the United States that would carry an AR-15 if they were going deer hunting back at home but they carry a fully automatic weapon. And it's not an AR-15. They conflate and do so purposely that any gun that looks like an M4, which is an automatic rifle, that's the version of the AR-15 the military use, but it's fully automatic. What's the difference? The gun that I own, the AR-15 that I own, I can put a clip in it that holds 30 shells. But I can't just squeeze the trigger and all 30 just go bam, 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 and and come out the barrel. It doesn't work that way. Mine is semi-automatic, which means I pull the trigger one time, one bullet fires. I have to release the trigger and pull it again to fire the second one. On an M4, when they're in combat, wherever they are in combat, whichever branch of the service, they can pull that trigger and hold it down. And if they have a 30 bullet clip, those all 30 bullets will fire in rapid succession. But that's a military weapon. Only place it's allowed and used is by active military when they're on some kind of assignment somewhere and are fighting somewhere around the world. The other is an AR-15. And it's been adjudicated again and again by the Supreme Court that there is nothing illegal about owning a gun that has clips. In other words, that holds more than one bullet at a time. And by the way, why don't they just go after all the stolen guns? Why don't they just take the stolen guns off the streets in every major city. Why don't they take the people off the street in every major city that are buying these guns illegally and then using them to perpetrate crime? I mean, if you stop for just one minute and look at what's going on in your world, the problems in your world, just start when you wake up in the morning. I don't know if you're like me, Every morning, I have multiple bank accounts for different things, personal and company. I do a quick scan every morning to see the balances in the bank accounts. Why do you do that? 
I want to strategize and figure out exactly what I need to do today regarding dollars and cents for anything and everything that's under my purview. I do that every day. When I look at my bank account now, it looks in my conscious decisions that I make when I look at it are way different today than they were in 2018, 2019, even 2020. Why is that? Because I had similar amounts of money in these accounts every day, but I knew when I went to fill up my tank, which I did the day Joe Biden was elected, and I paid $1.69 a gallon for gas. I knew what it was going to cost me that day for gas. I had a pretty good idea what it was going to cost for groceries. Everything. I knew that. It had been doing it. Now, we don't have any idea, but what we do know, it's just going to be way more expensive. Everything. It's called inflation. Now, this president, he does everything possible to deflect responsibility for anything, everything that's happened on his watch as president, especially inflation. So he's got an economic advisor, Cecilia Rouse. She was on CNN yesterday, and she fielded questions from host Brianna Keeler about economists and Democrat politicians that are blaming record inflation levels on Biden's massive spending packages and whether they were right in warning against them. I'm not sure what the right is. What we have here is an economy that is recovering from a pandemic. The downturn was caused by the pandemic. We had to basically power down our economy until we had the therapeutics and vaccinations and shots in the arms. That's Rouse talking. Doesn't that sound a little bit like a canned, hey, this is what the administration, this is what they gave me to say when I was asked that question. Well, Keeler of CNN, she pressed a little further asking, they warned that the spending levels, which of course I understand the White House and you consider very necessary for the situation that the economy and the pandemic was in, but that it would cause inflation of maybe a higher level than certain people, including at the White House, were expecting. Were they right? So Ms. Rouse doubled down. And she insisted that inflation is the result of Biden's effective strategy against coronavirus and the pandemic. So what we have seen is that all advanced countries are trying to address inflation. And they have, you know, historic levels of inflation. That has been the consequence of mounting an effective response to the pandemic. Because while we supported, households and businesses got shots in arms, which allowed people to start to come out of their homes and regain their lives. Our supply chains could not support that demand. Oh, we are not alone. All advanced countries are addressing this. This is a consequence of having an effective strategy against the pandemic. And she went through then. She called on Congress. Congress got to do its own part in attempting to alleviate these high prices. This is why the president understands that the Federal Reserve needs to do its job. And he encourages Congress 
to confirm all of his nominees so they have a full slate and can address their dual mandate of price stability and full employment, she said. We understand that is the economic economic challenge in front of us. That is what he's focused on every day. Did you follow that? Our inflation, she said, is because Joe Biden has a very effective economic plan and strategy, and it's working. It's working. Yeah, you know, we know you're paying three times what you paid for the gas at the pump the day he was elected, but that's part of the strategy, and the strategy is working. What the heck is the strategy if they consider this or she considered, she says number one economic advisor is Rouse, Cecilia Rouse. And she thinks this is successful? The White House press secretary, when pushed hard yesterday by the media, what can parents do? They can't get formula for their kids because the FDA shut down the number one plant to make it. What are they supposed to do? And that brain surgeon, Jen Psaki, that's leaving there, going to MSNBC, where she'll probably fade into oblivion in 24 hours because probably all 30 of her fans don't watch MSNBC. I don't know. But her answer to that question was simple. If you can't find Infamil or Similac, call your doctor. Oh my gosh, everybody went, oh great, I got an answer. That's what we need to tell people. And so they pick up the phone and call their doctor's office. You don't get, you don't ever get the doctor on the phone. I need to speak to the doctor because I can't find Infamil and my baby can't get it. Well, sir, what would you like for the doctor to do? Well, I was told by the White House that if I couldn't find Infamil or Similac, I needed to call you, and so I'm doing what I was told. I'm calling you. Does that sound like a plan? (laughs) It sounds like no plan, and it sounds like shooting from the hip, flying by the seat of your pants, and that's exactly what's happening. So what about this southern border thing? Well, there's a lot going on, believe it or not. Hundreds of migrants crossing the border into that overwhelmed Texas border sector near Eagle Pass, that's in the southwest corner. At one spot, only two Border Patrol agents were on hand yesterday, and they had to process 150 migrants. Great planning. Bill Malugin of Fox News reported there were only two Border Patrol agents on, they were on duty when that, big group crossed the river. Texas National Guard soldiers deployed under Operation Lone Star stood ready to assist. Malugin said the group identified themselves as citizens of Colombia, Cuba, and Venezuela. And there are still more coming. These massive groups are a huge drain on Border Patrol resources. Multiple agents will have to come to process. That will leave other parts of the border unpatrolled, and that is where the cartel will push drugs and criminals through. You know what? I got to be honest. I'm tired of sitting here every day and telling you story after story, another debacle that happened where people died or cartels were raping young girls that 
they were charging that young girl's parent thousands of dollars to bring her into the United States safely. They're raping these kids. They're sticking drugs down the throats of these kids. And they're making billions of dollars, the Mexican cartels, in doing this. Besides the humans they're trafficking, the ones that they're getting money from that aren't coming through the big cartels, besides all that, they're getting fentanyl in mass volumes from China. And China is trafficking fentanyl through Mexican drug cartels into the nation. And that fentanyl killed 100,000 plus 18 to 49-year-old Americans in the last 12 months. And Joe Biden's letting it happen. He's not just letting it happen. He's pushing for it to continue, opening it up, knowing full well if and when Title 24 is canceled, the floodgate will open and there will be more crime, more criminals, more danger, more exposure to Americans than we've ever seen. He wants that. There's no other explanation for it. Why does he want it? That's what Mike Johnson asked in Congress on Wednesday night in that hearing. And he got the answer. They want to get them here, get them legal, and get them the right to vote. A federal judge Wednesday extended that temporary restraining order that stops the Biden administration from rolling back the use of Title 42. The CDC announced last month it would end the public health order, which has been used to expel a majority of migrants at the border when they cross since May of 2020 because of the COVID-19 pandemic. That immediately sparked concerns from both sides of the aisle, Republicans and Democrats, that doing away with Title 42 would lead to not only more migrants being released in our interior, but it will also encourage more migrants to come to the border. Homeland Security has acknowledged those concerns, said it is planning for a significant increase in migration and as many as 18,000 migrants a day, 18,000 a day. If you got a, if you got a calculator, let me pull mine down real quick. 18,000. Let's do that. 18,000 times 365. That can't be right. 18. Did I say 18,000? Yeah, it's 18,000 a day. One, two, three times 365. You know how many migrants Alejandro Mayorkas is saying, yeah, we may have 18,000 a day. You know how many that is in the next year? 6,570,000, million migrants. And this is okay. This is not only okay, it's expected. It's what they want, does the Biden administration and Barack Obama and those that are leading this nation to no longer have any borders No border patrol, just check spots for people to come in when you come into the United States and y'all come on in. And I'm not some conspiracy theorist that's out there on the radio doing a podcast telling you some crazy story. I would love it 
if Joe Biden would pick up the phone and call Truth News Network and tell me, give me a reason, Mr. President. Why are you doing this? Why are you putting the American people, the legal ones that were born here, that work here, live here, work here, why are you every day putting them in harm's way by bringing in God knows who across the border and giving them total open access to the entire United States, including those who are most vulnerable among us, and you're basically saying, hey, illegals, hey, drug cartel members, have a go. Whatever you can do, just remember, I'm Joe Biden, and I open the door for you. It's really bad right now, but it's going to get worse. We are not the only spot on the planet where we have issues. We can't forget about our friends in Europe, the Ukrainian people. And there's big news today about Ukraine. I've got that and more straight ahead. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm a Verizon engineer, and today we're turning on 5G across the country, including right here in New York City. With the coverage of 5G nationwide and in more and more cities, the unprecedented performance of ultra-wideband. It will change your phone and how businesses do everything. I'm proud because we didn't build it the easy way. We built it right. This is the 5G America's been waiting for, only from Verizon. 5G ultra-wideband available only in parts of select cities. 5G nationwide available in 1,800 plus cities. Square Packages, the packaging specialists, are proud to present a box on both your houses. The untold story of the invention of the box and the family rivalry that nearly destroyed it. It's a tale about opening your heart, finding acceptance, and inventing the most efficient means of shipping and packaging that mankind has ever known. Proving that to find what's in your soul, you have to look outside the box and into another box, which is a house your home. And that truly is the greatest box of all. Tune in every Wednesday at 8 for this once-in-a-week-time television event, A Box on Both Your Houses, presented by Square Packages, the packaging specialists. You're fighting back the tsunami of ignorance with Dan Newman, TNN, the Truth News Network. The current stream of that tsunami of ignorance, it runs right through the middle of Nancy Pelosi, House Speaker, right in the middle of her office. Listen to this. You've heard her scream and holler talking about the price of gas at the pump. It's because of, number one, Vladimir Putin. When he invaded Ukraine, our prices went up. And then the other thing Pelosi's been harping on for months now is gas prices are going up because these evil oil companies are raising their prices. They're gouging Americans. Well, guess what the Federal Reserve Bank yesterday did? They gave us the truth about that issue. Alleged price gouging from big oil companies is not among the number of factors causing 
are record high gas prices nationwide. That comes from the Federal Reserve Bank of Dallas. It is true oil prices have declined at various points over the last couple of months. While fuel prices remained high, gasoline costs aren't often set by oil drillers and are affected by other expenses like rent and credit card fees, they argued. Gas station operators, they set the retail prices based on their expected acquisition cost for the next delivery of fuel from the local distributor, federal and state tax rates, and a markup that covers operating expenses like rent, delivery charges, and credit card fees. Since only 1% of service stations in the U.S. are owned by companies that also produce oil, U.S. oil producers are in no position to control the retail gasoline prices. Democrats, though, Hey, it doesn't matter if it's a lie, if it's not true, it sounds good, and we can get votes, so we're going to lie about it and blame the oil companies. And they continue to do it. High gas prices, arguing that the companies are exploiting the Ukraine prices to pad their profits. Nancy Pelosi yesterday said that the House would vote next week on the Consumer Fuel Price Gouging Prevention Act, introduced by Democrat Representatives Kim Schreiber and Katie Porter. While families are struggling to pay higher prices at the pump, oil and gas companies are recording record profits, she said. Golding and Killian added that big oil companies account for just 17% of our crude oil production, about half of the supply consumed by American consumers. Gas prices are also dependent on domestic refining capacity regional distribution capabilities, and local conditions where retailers purchase their supply. The elevated retail gasoline prices got to be attributed to events in the U.S. retail gasoline market beyond the control of oil producers. Again, this is coming out of the Dallas Federal Reserve. Moreover, the asymmetry of the response of retail gas prices need not be evidence of price gouging. One explanation, station operators are recapturing margins that they lost during the upswing when gas stations were initially slow to increase pump prices. The reluctance to lower retail prices at the pump also likely reflects concerns that oil prices and also wholesale gas prices because of oil prices may quickly rebound eating into station profit margins. Global and U.S. crude oil indices, they've been all over the place in the aftermath of the invasion of Ukraine by Russia, which disrupted energy markets around the world. The U.S. West Texas Intermediate Index, which hit 160, excuse me, $106.55 per barrel yesterday, has surged to nearly $130 a barrel, fallen below $93 a barrel over the last two months. That's a pretty wide margin, $130 down to $93. Meanwhile, gas prices fell slightly in April before they ticked up again early this month. The average pump price hit $4.42 per gallon, an all-time record yesterday. And I paid $1.69 a gallon at my local station the day of the November election in 2020, $1.69 a gallon. And at the same plate, 
day before yesterday, guess how much I paid? $3.98 a gallon. Thank you, President Biden. I appreciate it. And Nancy, you need to get off the uh, evil oil company bandwagon because the facts are out there. And what you say about all this are not factual. So let's let's go back. Let's do something a little bit different. You know that uh, you know who our attorney general is. You know the the guy's name, Merrick Garland. He's the guy that Barack Obama, his last year as president, had an opening come up in the Supreme Court. He nominated Merrick Garland to join the court, and confirmation hearings weren't able to be held. They weren't held before the election cycle, and therefore that seat fell to Donald Trump to feel, which he did. In fact, President Trump got three new justices on the Supreme Court. Well, Merrick Garland, he was working as a first district appeals court judge, senior judge in Washington, D.C. When Biden's election was announced and he was going to be president, he started looking for cabinet position appointees, and his very first was Merrick Garland to be the attorney general. Garland has almost every day come under fire for stupid decisions that he's made, stupid things that he's made, and he spends a lot of time and testimony before several different House and Senate committees that are over the judiciary. And you remember the big debacle that came up about all in Loudoun County, Virginia, which is a suburb of Washington, D.C., and during the pandemic where students were being taught virtually via internet by school teachers and a lot of these parents that their businesses closed, they were at home with their kids. They were looking in and watching and listening to what these schools and these teachers were shoving down the throats of their kids. And they went nuts when they found out the things that were being taught and presented to the children, their children, and parents never knew about it. Well, they got pretty vocal in some of these school board meetings, and so did the school board members. And it got pretty fiery. In fact, cops were coming in, and there were people that were actually arrested and dragged out of some of these school board meetings. Well, one of the national school board unions actually wrote a letter, and they sent it to the White House. And they were requesting that President Trump alert the Department of Justice, the Department of Justice and the FBI, to start looking into these parents that are threatening these school board members and also teachers, other members of the education, public education system. And when he got that, Merrick Garland pinned a notice to the FBI telling them that he wanted them to begin to interact with local law enforcement officials to keep an eye on these domestic terrorists. That's what they called, that's what he uh, he termed the parents that the FBI would go watch. So he was called before subcommittees in the House in public testimony, he was asked that question again and again, and his answer 
We are not spying on parents because those parents that went to these um, public school board hearings and expressed their opinions. Well, guess what? Merrick Garland, when he said that, he lied. Congressman Jim Jordan's a ranking Judiciary Committee member and penned the letter that's headed straight to Merrick Garland. So did he lie under oath to the committee when he answered that question, Congressman? Yeah, what he said in the committee was a direct contradiction of the facts that we now know because of this brave whistleblower. I mean, he said he wouldn't use counterterrorism resources to go after moms and dads, would not do that. That, in fact, looks exactly like what they did. And again, if if you're a mom, you're a dad, you're a gun owner, you're a Republican, and you're standing up for your kids, oh my goodness, look out, because here comes the FBI. And, and again, in a direct contradiction to what he told us under oath in the committee. And never forget this, Jesse. Look, remember how quickly this happened. September 29th, the School Board Association sends a letter to the Biden White House. Five days later, October 4th, Merrick Garland issues this memorandum that lays out, put, put this snitch line together, go after parents. And then 16 days later, the FBI sends out the email that establishes this threat tag designation that was put on these parents. All that happened last fall in 22 days. When have you ever seen the federal government move that fast? So they moved that fast because they were going after people, as you just pointed out, just like the Obama White House went after and the Obama IRS went after conservatives. Same dynamic here. And this is, as, again, as wrong as it gets. Maybe the school board union could write a letter to Biden to tell him to lower gas prices. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, if we can do that, yeah. maybe we could get some relief there. But do these parents who were illegally targeted as domestic terrorists under this threat tag label, do they have any recourse? Not, not, not really, but I mean, th- th- their recourse is their members of Congress say enough of this, stop this, and there better not be some designation that remains with that American citizen's name as they move forward in their life. I mean, so th- th- that's the recourse. That's why we've drawn attention to this ever since we first learned about it last fall, because this, this along with this disinformation governance board is the stuff that drives Americans crazy, and well, it should, particularly that example we, we had in the letter that you just cited, Jesse, where it's a mom in the group, Moms for Liberty. So if you're in Moms Moms for Liberty, and you have a firearm at your house, I mean, suddenly you're going to be targeted because someone snitched on you on this government-sponsored snitch line? I mean, if they go after every mom with a gun in this country, or every <laughs> dad with a gun, they're, they're going to be going, they're going to be sitting all the time going after everyone, because, I mean, that's how ridiculous this all is. And it's, again, it's why I think Glenn Youngkin's governor of Virginia now as we speak, and why I think the American people are fixing to throw Democrats out of office in this year's midterm election. I couldn't agree more. All right, thank you very much. And uh, you bet. hopefully the media covers this whistleblower the same way they did the Ukraine phone call whistleblower. I don't think that's going to happen, Let's hold. but we're going to give him a chance. Thank you yeah. so much. Jim Jordan. Thank you. That's Jesse Waters on his show last night with Jim Warners. Uh, uh, um, Jim Jordan, congressman from Ohio. We've been trying to get him on this show. He is all over the place. He's one of the busiest guys in Congress. And our buddy, Mike Johnson, has opened the door there. Hopefully, in the near future, we're going to have Congressman Jordan on here and maybe be able to get him on here regularly because he's so prolific when he gets some information and it's bad or good, he goes after it 100%, like very few that are up in Congress. He's one of those people that it sounds like, it seems like he doesn't give a rip about being politically correct. He goes after whatever's bad for the American people so that the American people know that it's going on, knows that it's happening. And I like that a lot. 
I like the fact that he's very plain spoken and he doesn't hesitate to ever raise his voice to let us all know when something that doesn't look too good is really happening just to give us a heads up so that we can know what's going on. Man, this day has been so full of stuff. I mean, over and over and over again. And once again, the Biden administration is exposed for being some of the craziest sycophants that we've ever had in government. Yesterday, Fox News' Martha McCallum hit back against one top Biden advisor who tried to claim that having a black woman serve on the Federal Reserve Board of Governors was somehow going to help solve the inflation crisis. So they were talking about rising inflation and, and fears about our economy worsening on the story. That's the name of Martha's show. White House Council of Economic Advisors Jared Bernstein, he claimed that having a black woman serve on the Federal Reserve Board of Governors was advantageous to curtailing inflation. Listen to this explanation. We don't talk about Fed policy on a regular basis like that, he said. We're really very much dedicated to an independent Federal Reserve. I will state, and underscoring reporting you just did, that the confirmation of the president's nominees to the Federal Reserve is super important. This is the first and foremost institution fighting inflation. And the fact that we now have a Federal Reserve with Dr. Lisa Cook, the first black woman ever to be on a Federal Reserve board, is I think a key achievement of Bidenomics, trying to make sure that this extremely important global economic institution looks a little bit more like some of the people that it's representing. So Martha McCallum, she wouldn't have any of it. But she handled it in a nice way. Here's what she said. I'm sure she's excellent and well-qualified. But how does that fact that it's a diversity pick mean that the economy is going to get better? Why is that relevant? And he said, totally fair question. The reason it's relevant, remember, these are people that are pulling some of the most influential levers in the economy. Now, anytime you're doing that, you've got to ask yourself on whose behalf are you pulling those levers. If you're simply focused on the top reaches of the corporate sector, if you're simply focused on the stock market and you're not paying attention to communities that have been left behind in this economy, then I would argue that you have a Federal Reserve that is not as representative as it needs to be. That's what President Biden. People would argue that it doesn't matter what color you are to care about communities at the upper and lower reaches of the economy. That's McCallum. She interrupted him. President Biden would explain to you that it's extremely important to have a Federal Reserve that looks like all of America. Martha, if she's the most qualified, 100%, regardless of her skin color either way, McCallum said before they shifted to other topics. So, the Senate narrowly confirmed Cook on Tuesday, with Vice President Kamala Harris breaking the tie vote. Cook was nominated in January to serve on the Board of Governors of the Federal Reserve. Critics claim she is unqualified and misidentified her economic experience. A senior Republican senator aide told the Daily Caller News Foundation she is one of the least qualified nominees, and her background lacks experience in monetary economics. But she's black. 
she's black and it's important that we have African-American people on these boards like the Federal Reserve, not because they're qualified, but because they can relate. They can spread it across the economic specter of the United States and not just deal with those, you know, those uppity people, corporate likes and people that are investors and work on Wall Street. We got to have other kind of people on the Federal Reserve. You're fighting back the tidal wave of deceit, lies, spin, and ignorance with TNN, the Truth News Network. Long live the courageous, the tenacious, the ones who push forward and give back. Long live the greater good, the helping hand, those who fall and get back up. And long live the truck with the strength to overcome. The will to outwork. And the commitment to outlast them all. Ram. Proven to last. Hey, Thirst, can I try out a few Coke Summer sound effects on you? Yes! Cool. You okay with this? And this. And what about this? Ha! Gotcha there, Thirst. That wasn't sound effects. That was a Coke. I'm no longer thirsty. You're so out of here. Coca-Cola. Open happiness. Some big news coming out of Ukraine, that Ukraine-Russia war. Listen to this. Russia is now withdrawing some of its troops after suffering heavy losses in recent days. That's coming from the UK's Ministry of Defense from last night. In an update posted on social media, the ministry alleged Ukrainian forces are continuing to counterattack to the north of Kharkiv, recapturing several towns and villages toward the Russian border. Despite Russia's success in encircling Kharkiv in the initial stages of this war, it's reportedly withdrawn units from the region to reorganize and replenish its forces following heavy losses. But the withdrawal of Russian forces from Kharkiv is a tacit recognition of Russia's inability to capture key Ukrainian cities where they expected limited resistance from the population. Those withdrawn forces will likely be sent to the Siversky Donetsk River to form a blockade to protect the western flank of Russia's main force concentration and main supply routes for operations in that vicinity. Russian military officials have not made a public comment after the UK's assessment. That should tell us something, right? If they're not talking about it, denying it, There must be some truth in it. Meanwhile, this all comes as Moscow threatened, saying they're going to retaliate against Finland 
after Finland indicated it wants to join NATO. Finland, which, by the way, shares a border with Russia, has long remained neutral even during Soviet times. They said yesterday it would apply to join NATO without delay. And Sweden, it looks like, is going to follow suit. NATO Secretary General Jen Stalenberg said the Finns would be warmly welcomed, promised a smooth and swift accession process. French President Macron said he fully supports Finland's choice to join the alliance. But through state-run media, Kremlin spokesperson Dmitry Peskov said Finland's proclamation will trigger a negative response from Russia. Just not looking good for old Vlad over there. He just can't whip those pesky Ukrainians. <laughs> hey, thanks for being here today. Thanks for joining us. We want you to be back tomorrow morning, bright and early. Take in our Saturday bullet points. You guys have a great weekend. Do something fun. Do it with people you love. We'll see you back here first thing Monday morning at TNN Live. Hello. How are you? Have you been all right? Through all those lonely, 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 lonely nights That's what I'd say I'd tell you everything If you'd pick up that telephone